Dear fellow redeemed, we consider especially uh, the last few verses of our gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 11. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we gather today, I want to take you back to a significant time and event in history. An event that unfolded centuries ago, but carries profound significance and relevance for our lives today. Let me transport you back to the 15th century to a quaint town in Germany called Mainz. It was a time when Johannes Gutenberg, a man driven by revolutionary vision, set in motion a series of events that would forever change the course of human history. Gutenberg's invention of the printing press brought about a technological breakthrough that transformed the way information was disseminated. Disseminated, sorry. Prior to this invention, the Bible and other books were painstakingly handwritten, a laborious and time-consuming process that restricted access to knowledge and scripture. However, Gutenberg's invention unleashed the power of technology, enabling mass production of books and paving the way for the democratization of knowledge. Imagine the awe and wonder that must have filled the hearts of people. The people of mind says they witnessed this groundbreaking invention. Suddenly the pages of the Bible, once scarce and treasured possessions in the hands of a privileged few, were now accessible to the masses. The printed word of God could be distributed far and wide, reaching people in distant lands and speaking to their hearts in their own language. It was a transformative moment where technology became a catalyst for spiritual growth and enlightenment. Now you may be wondering why I am recounting the historical event in the context of our gathering today. And that's about as much as I can read of that. You may be wondering, because Pastor Hagen doesn't normally read things off of paper quite like that. That was about the fourth attempt with um, chat GPT, the, uh, the AI thing, which is just a plagiarization software. Asking, give me a sermon introduction that is Lutheran, that talks about the value of technology for our spiritual lives. And after a while, this thing kind of combed through the internet and it found something that, that overall, um, <laughs> overall was quite good. Aside from the fact that it, we don't talk that way when we're talking. But if I were writing a conference paper, that would probably be some of the words or phrasing that I would use. And you might be wondering why, <laughs> Pastor Henry. We've got between 16 and 28 minutes of listening to you. Why are you resorting to, to that? Because in our series, as we're talking about uh, greetings from Christianity, we're talking about um, different ways and different postcards, so to speak. Last time, last week, we talked about a postcard from the land of success and the way in which an idol of success creeps in around the edges. And today, talking about a postcard from the land of work. A postcard from the land of work, and in what way, and what <laughs> has allowed for more leisure time than the advancement of technology. You think of it, that all the things that you and I take for granted, that you could throw a, a meal or uh, some food out of your freezer into the microwave and have a meal in 10 minutes or less that you can toss the clothes into the washer and walk away and eventually change them over to the dryer and once we get a machine that will also fold everything, it'll all be good. You can think about the fact that, that you and I um, can purchase a ticket on a plane 
and you can fly across the country or around the world, even though we are merely 120 years removed from two brothers in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. You think of the fact that you drove here for 20 minutes to get here today, and that generally speaking, the radius of the church is about 20 minutes because that's about how far people will regularly travel to get to church on a Sunday. Except with a vehicle, that 20 minutes might be on the other side of Toledo as opposed to the, um, you know, just down the road in a horse and buggy. You think of the way that different technologies have allowed for more rest and for more leisure time, where automation has, has set aside the tedious work on the assembly line and machines and robots can kind of take some of that over, which means that your hard-earned dollars don't have to be paying for all the salaries of these people when you can pay for a few people and then the rest of the, the machines that are doing the work. And that, in effect, the time and the effort that you put in reaps a greater reward and allows for more leisure time, more rest. And what better time to talk about this than the summertime? when we take a break from the normal schooling that happens in our schools and we think about how can we get away for a little bit, find a little bit of a rest. And maybe for you, maybe it's um, riding, riding your bike or your, or your motorcycle, going for a ride. Maybe it's getting out of town for a while, maybe it's seeing a nice sandy beach, maybe it's sitting at the dock watching the sunset or the sunrise if you happen to be up that early. That idea of rest as it relates to technology. That in one degree or another, you and I have benefited from God's blessing of technology. You and I have benefited from the brains of reasonable people who have tried to use their gifts and tried to use their opportunities in this life to make life a little bit simpler, a little bit easier, a little bit more straightforward. And then Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That sounds wonderful. You take a, take a deep breath and you think, wow, I could use a little bit of rest. I could use a little bit of rest. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's just the, the stress of everyday life. Maybe it's the, the changes that have happened over the last few months. Or maybe it was just a hectic year and things have finally slowed down at work or the routine has changed for the summertime. I could use a little bit of rest. And it would be very easy and very simple to transpose what Jesus is talking about directly into our concept of rest. That Jesus is saying, um, as, if, as if Jesus were saying, all you have to do is put your feet up and he will give you the rest. All you have to do is sit back and you understand that this Jesus, exactly as we just sang about in that beautiful hymn, that this Jesus has accomplished your salvation in its entirety. That, as if to say that this rest that Jesus offers is simply the fact that there's nothing else for you to do. And there's a one-to-one -one correspondence between our modern American idea of rest and what Jesus says here. And bringing in even the idea of technology, that technology has, um, in one degree or another, has affected the way that you work or the way that we carry out business. That through technology, you can order something on Amazon and have it at your door in a day or two. That in technology, you don't have to sit and manually calculate the ledger. You just type it into Microsoft Excel. 
And you think about um, technology. And then all of a sudden, this whole idea of chat, G GPT, man, I gotta keep practicing saying that. This whole idea of AI, that a few weeks ago, there was an entire church service that was apparently run by a computer program. Obviously, somebody had to click it, or somebody had to program it and start it, but everybody gathered together, and then this machine spoke, and then the people spoke, and it went back and forth. And just this last week, um, apparently, there was a, a wedding officiated by a computer in Colorado. And you wonder, can we shoehorn Jesus into our modern concept of rest? That science and technology will give us all the rest that we need, and that Jesus must be similar. And we would risk losing out and missing out on the reality of what Jesus says here. When he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come to me. And you think of that, and you think to yourself, well, you know, Pastor Hagen, I, I understand. I understand that our church has a, a, um, a podcast, and we've been doing that for, well, I've been doing that for about eight years now. That our church has a YouTube page that we're live streaming right now. That our church has a Facebook page that we use email, and that we use this, um, this online cloud-based software called Church360 to kind of keep tabs on, on who our members are and what we do as a church. I'm not a Luddite, which is one of those words that means like somebody who is backwards thinking and wanting only for the past. I, to the contrary, I kind of describe myself sometimes as a, as a lazy pastor in the sense that like Steve Martin's character in um, Cheaper by the Dozen, <laughs> he was, if you've ever seen it or you've ever read the book, um, he goes to different factories to make them as efficient as possible. And when he gets there, and he's this so-called efficiency expert, and when he gets there, he says, I want to see your laziest worker. And they said, everybody is flabbergasted. Every time this happens, why? Why? Because, he says, that worker has figured out the easiest and simplest way to do all of his work. And I say, you know, in that sense, I'm a lazy pastor in that, in that there are some things that we can automate and some things that we can make simpler. And in one sense, um, you know, like our, our Thursday evening doctrine class during the year, that we can have a class of 12. I can record it through Zoom. Then I can publish it on YouTube, and we can have another 35 views. And then I can use that audio on our podcast and have another 70 downloads. So is it a class of 12, or is it a class of 117? You tell me. And in that way, you know, it's almost like the next turn of the Industrial Revolution, the next turn of the printing press, as if to say, here is God extending the proclamation of his word in another way. But technology and rest. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from clever and learned people and have revealed them to little children. When he says these things, he sees and he says, Dear Christian, do you see where your rest is? Do you see where your rest is? That if you've raised children or if you've ever had to um, deal with or babysit or watch, take care of a young child, um, especially one still in diapers, 
Usually the problem is one of three. Either he or she is hungry or tired or needs a change. Realistically, grown Christians aren't much different from that. Hungry, tired, we need a change. And walking, working backwards from those, you know, needing a change, maybe it is that summertime is a little bit different from the grind of the regular school year. We do need a change. To be able to sit back and say, you know, this is, this is a little bit different. I need a little bit of rest. And the way it's going to look, the way it's going to look is to, um, to change how we do things. To change what we do, to change how, to change our routine. Maybe to change our location and go somewhere else for a little while. Tired, hungry, need a change. Maybe you're hungry. That the changes of the school year, that the changes of the summertime have meant that you've fallen out of a routine that was good. That over the last few months, you've kind of drifted away where you used to have a routine where you had your coffee, you had your meditations, or you had your Bible reading, whatever it happened to be, and you were always in the routine. And then that got old. And maybe you're still feeling hungry. And you're looking to everybody else and everything else to fill that hunger. Tired, hungry, need a change. Maybe you're just tired. Maybe it's a legitimate tiredness of, I don't like the people that, I don't like the fact that, that people are sinful, that they make dumb choices, and that it has all sorts of impact on my life. I don't like the fact that it's very distressing to me personally. I don't like the fact that I still have to do all of these, these obligations that I have when I thought I could take it easy by this point in my life. I don't like the fact that I am not able to do the things that I used to be able to do. And I'm just tired of it. And that's where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He's not talking about a, a machine that will cook your dinner from start to finish. He's not talking about a machine that, that will wash your clothing and keep it looking nice and fresh for the next five years. He's talking about himself. Different in kind. Different in quality. Different, yes, in quantity. Because where Jesus is, there he is with all of his blessings and all of his forgiveness, with all of his care, with all of his love, with all that he is. And you look through the Gospels and you see this image of Jesus standing by the bedside of a, a dead girl. That same Jesus is with you whenever his word is read or heard or remembered. You see Jesus walking out of that tomb and saying, don't be afraid, there's nothing to fear. That same Jesus is there when his word is remembered, heard, and read. You see Jesus walking on the water or walking to the cross or saying, get behind me, Satan, to one of his closest earthly friends. That same Jesus is there to sharpen your focus, to give you rest whenever his word is remembered, heard, or read. And so we talk about that, that Jesus himself is present when two or three are gathered together. And the context that he talks about that a few chapters later in Matthew is um, usually like when two elders are making a difficult visit. 
It's not just, not just the fact that Jesus is present with his church when they worship, but that Jesus is present with his church when they also witness. That Jesus is present with his church whenever his word is remembered or heard or read, and that he is present today with you and with me here. That, in a sense, from a few weeks back, the place where you are sitting really is holy ground. And when you talk about, first of all, that Jesus is present with, with all of his blessings when his word is remembered, that a lot of what I read today, you were probably remembering. That the fact that we have three scripture readings every week for, you know, ten verses each, give or take, let's say an average of five, that means 15 verses every Sunday, times 50 Sundays a year. And all of a sudden you're talking, what, 750 verses, different verses of scripture? In addition to words that are set to music that just kind of sticks in your brain. Pick a tune, A Mighty Fortress. And you know the tune already. And you know the words. Pick a tune, um, Amazing Grace. Chances are you just know, you don't just know the, the tune, but the words, and probably the, one of the prime times when you had sung that hymn. That Jesus is present with his church, that is, his people, whenever his word is remembered. And you already remember and know far more scripture than somebody who's never had contact with the Bible. Might it be worthwhile to look at that and say, I'm going to memorize just one verse. Maybe our gospel acclamation each week. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Easy. Come to me, Jesus said, and I will give you rest. That Jesus is present with his church to give rest to those who are hungry and tired and need a change. Jesus says that he is there when his word is remembered. That he is there when his word is heard. That when I speak and when I'm reading there, um, it's just as if Jesus himself were standing here and saying, Dear Christian, this is the one thing that I want you to know. This is the one blessing that I want you to hear about. This is the reality that God works through his living word to, yes, convict your heart of sin and also comfort you in a way that, that my words only give the barest of glimpses at that if the Holy Spirit were not active through his word, then I could talk all day and it would have no effect. But the fact that he is, and the fact that he is there to work through his word and to work through the law written on your heart that is your conscience, the fact that he is there means that the words that I use are words that God reinforces and does a better job preaching. He is there whenever his word is remembered or heard or read. And maybe that's the challenging one. That we can hear God's word by downloading the RWJ Daily Podcast. It's there in the footnotes. Available in any podcast app. That we can remember God's word as we're driving down the highway. That we might even hear God's word by using like a different Bible app, like the YouVersion Bible app. Y-O-U version. Um, it's actually quite good. But his word, that our Jesus is there present with all of his gifts, all of his blessing, all of his forgiveness, 
all of his comfort whenever his word is remembered, heard, and read. That when we, when we read the headlines and the studies that the average American, uh, the majority of Americans, don't read another book after high school, and then our entire church life is predicated on reading a book, to put it crassly, that the average American doesn't read a book and that we are far more interactive with our screens in a ratio of almost eight to one than with any printed material. And our entire church life, your entire eternity, is predicated on what this book has to say. Because there Jesus is. Might it be time? I mean, set aside the guilt, set aside the shame. Don't say to yourself, well, I have to read a chapter a day and then I miss a day, and now I have to read two chapters, and then I miss two days, and now I have to read five chapters, and I'm always behind, and I'm not keeping up, and oh boy, oh boy, how much, how much more do I have to do because this doesn't feel like rest? Don't fall into that trap. Just say, hey, today's a new day, and even if it's been five days or five years, today's a new day. I would say, if you haven't read your Bible in a while, start somewhere in the New Testament. Maybe one of the Gospels. And even if it's something familiar that you are very familiar with already, Luke chapter 1 leads right into Luke chapter 2. Especially those opening chapters of Luke are like 80 verses long each. So I would suggest the Gospel of John. But if you do start and you realize and you see something that is very familiar, like, I know these words, and there were in those days shepherds living out in the fields nearby, giving watch over their flock by night. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I know these words. Then, pause. And I would say, you know, think of your favorite meal. I love biscuits and gravy. <laughs> True confession. I love biscuits and gravy. And just because I, if I get a plate of that, um, you know, for breakfast or for lunch or for dinner or for late night snack. If I get a plate of it, I don't just hurry through like, oh, I know exactly what this tastes like and it is just gonna be the same as last time and I, I just wanna get this over with because I gotta check the box that I've had biscuits and gravy. No. Even if it's the sort of thing that you have had and you have memories with dating back 30, 35, 50, 70 years, you pause, you enjoy it. Even if it's the same book that has been sitting on your shelf for 20 years, or that you've studied for four times that length of time, you pause and you enjoy it. And my question, my challenge would be to say, you know, here's this Jesus, and he promises rest. It's not some, some, um, it's not some pious wish. He's not saying, I hope you find rest. When you open your Bible, he says, come to me, where he is found, in his word, remembered, or heard, or read. Come to me, and I will give you rest. That's a reality. And in your own life, you can look around and think about it for yourself, and how many times, and how much heartache, how much stress, how, many, how much sleeplessness, is because you and I are still like little children 
who are hungry and tired and we need to change. That's the solution isn't to say, you know, we're just going to do YouTube everything because YouTube won't come and visit you when you're in the hospital. And the solution isn't to say, just give me a Lutheran sermon because uh, they still have some perks in the, in the system. They don't know Lutheran theology all that well. But they can write a fairly decent sermon introduction using too many big words. The solution isn't to say, here is some way to systematize or automize my spiritual life, like I can just toss it into the washer and then come back 25 minutes later and change it over. The solution is to look around and recognize, maybe I am a little tired. Maybe I am a little hungry. Maybe I do need to change. And some of that is very practical and realistic and reasonable, that maybe your life um, is, is really dragging you down, and the ebbs and flows of work or school or your other obligations really wears you out, and you're just fatigued. I get that. But Jesus says, come to me, and I will. Come to me, all you who are um, tired, hungry, needing a change, weary, needing a rest. And I will give you rest. Because Jesus says that he has done everything. That all his blessings of forgiveness, righteousness, blessings of love and comfort and peace and a future, those are his because he has won them for you. And he wants to actually give them to you when his word is remembered. Go ahead and memorize that gospel acclamation. You probably already know it. When his word is remembered, when his word is heard, if you look up our podcast on your, on your phone, there will be 1,000 episodes that you'll find right there in the phone. But most of all, not just remembered, heard, and read. Not to speed through it as if I've had biscuits and gravy 57 times previously in my life and it's just another plate. But to savor and enjoy. This is where Jesus gives rest. Amen.